Welcome, it's Jeremy Allen Gould. I'm coming to you today to confirm between God and of man that in fact the rumors that you have all heard are true. I started this podcast because I freaking love music. I was privileged enough to book amazing artists and bands in the past, and I was lucky enough to stay in touch with many of them to this day. This is a place to hear their stories. Thank you so much for riding along on this journey, and I hope you enjoy what you hear. With that said, the rumors are definitely true. It's Jeremy, and the rumors are definitely true on this episode. We have Josh Brigham from the band Hopes Fall. Josh and I go way back, uh, probably almost almost 20 years, I guess I should say. And uh, I was really looking forward to this one. Uh, Hopes Fall has got a special place in my heart. They've been a band that I have loved from day one and uh, always will love. So it was really cool to hear his perspective on the band as well as the success of the band and what he's up to now. So I hope you enjoy this latest episode with Josh Brigham. Josh Brigham, what's up, buddy boy? Not too much, man. Glad to be on your show and uh, and good to hang out with you. It's been a while. I know. It's been quite a while. I, I think the last time we hung out was 2016. I just randomly was in Charlotte. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. We all went to like one of my favorite places, Sir Ed's, and every yeah. Ryan was in town. Yep. Happened to be in town at the same time. So, yeah. yeah. Adam was like, hey, meet us up here. I just happened to be there. And he's like, Ryan and Josh will be here. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And I was sitting just outside, and you and your uh, your lady walked in, and you were like, what the hell? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's awesome, dude. So tell me, what you, what have you been up to lately? Tell me, Tell me what's in your world, man. Well, like so, when I saw when I saw you last in 2016, I was I was working for a brewery. I was a sales rep for mm-hmm. a brewery um, for over a decade, um, and then I got laid off uh, during COVID just because everything went away. I sold to like bars and restaurants and stadiums and music venues, and like everything just shut down for a while. And they they kept me on for a while, <clears throat> but eventually they let me go, and. During the latter half of my career at that brewery, I had started collecting certifications in this um, corrective exercise practice called foundation training, which is like a a body weight exercise protocol that's specifically designed for people that are in chronic pain uh, and back pain. And it's how I myself got out of back pain because I had to have an artificial disc put in my spine when I was 31. I had bone on bone in my low back and it was a gnarly situation and I worked my way out of it using this protocol and I figured, well, this is the only thing I have between me and back surgery. So I might as well be pretty damn good at this. So I started getting certifications in it, started helping the one guy who taught it in Charlotte. And I was always like, how do I make this my job? 
And then I got laid off and, uh, and my wife was like, well, that's how. <laughs> so she gave, she was like, why don't you just make a go of this for a couple of years? Cause you love it so much. And you know, two and a half years later, I'm, I'm still doing it and still, uh, got some momentum moving forward and I'm happy with the way things are going. That's awesome. What's, what's a, what's it called? What's adapt Charlotte? Is that what it's called? It's called Adapt, Adapt Charlotte, like, and, you know, the, the abbreviation for Charlotte's just CLT. So, like, my little Instagram handle is Adapt CLT. Um, but, uh, yeah, I teach I teach all around Charlotte, um, group classes, and most of my business is working one-on-one with people that have chronic back issues uh, and, like, showing them the way out. <laughs> that's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. That's, that's cool how your life has went that way. That's really a problem, I'm sure it's probably gratifying and, and, you know, something that you can help people and walk away with a smile on your face, you know? It's extremely fulfilling, man, uh, to see, like, people fix things that they didn't think they could fix and, um, you know, just make make an overall positive change. And then you get the group aspect of it. You know, it's, it's, it's funny because it's like when you get a whole group of people together to, like, complain how heavy and infectious that is yeah when you get a whole group of people that come together to try to like work on themselves and better themselves and there's like a a path forward and people kind of believe in it it's a real positive environment to be around so i I like the energy of the people i'm working on themselves and get better and it's it's just it's um it feels like a privilege i feel lucky that i get to do what i do that's awesome that's yeah which is odd yeah, considering awesome. it started with spinal surgery. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, whatever, whatever, whatever it takes. You know, that's at least you're in a good spot. That's awesome. Sweet, dude. Yeah. Well, I wanted to go back yeah, man. a little bit, and I, I kind of, I want to explain, and I probably have told you this before, and I'm sure you've probably heard this a million times from other people, but I want to explain what Hope's Falls always meant to me. So, like for me, I was you know grew up in the church grew up in hardcore grew up and all that stuff and so for me i was looking for a band in my life that was like i love melody i love hardcore i love metal i love it all and i remember specifically looking through hm magazine heaven's metal whatever you call it and there was this ad for dts records and it and it said hopes fall beautiful hardcore and i was like I think I probably would like that. I don't know. I just, it was just that, you know, whoa, I think I might like this type of thing. And so I kind of like was like, where am I going to get it? Where, where am I going to hear it? You know, that, you know, in that time we didn't have, you know, what we have now. So I go to a POD show in Jacksonville, Florida at the Murray Hill Theater and a band's opening called Whitman's Mold, which was on DTS as well. And I guess the guy who was running DTS, I guess he wound up running Murray Hill in Jacksonville later on. I forget his name. What was his name? What was the guy's name? Dick Kuchin. Dick. That's right. I think yeah. he wound up running the venue after the fact a couple years later. So anyway, he was there, I believe, and he was selling his DTS stuff, and he had your CD there. And I remember walking up just looking at merch randomly, and I was like, oh, that's the record. That's the record I've been looking for. Like I literally had been on this search. And it's funny because I feel like it was like 16 or 17 bucks, you know, for a kid. I was like, and so I walked around a little bit and I was like, do I want this record? Do I really want this record? Because I was like strapped for cash, you know, that whole world. Oh, yeah. And so then I finally was like, all right, I'm going to bite the bullet and do it. And that's like that's like buying like a fifty dollar. I know, I know. You know? It was like <laughs> this is an investment, like a big investment for me. 
And looking back on it, it was the record that I can solely say I look back on changed a lot of who I was and a lot of who I am to this day. It's incredible. I, I know you guys look back on it and probably in a different way, but I think that record was like a defining record and a defining moment in my life and I know a ton of other people's lives. And it was such a pivotal record for many as well as myself. And it was just like I had to know everything about you guys. I had to know what was going on. I had to get in the headspace. And so I basically stalked Ryan on a, a instant messenger and started to reach out to him. And I was like, hey, you guys rule, blah, blah, blah. Let's, you know, we started this conversation, blah, blah, blah. And so finally I was going to go, I'm going to Cornerstone. I think it was 2000. And he's like, let's meet up. I'm like, cool. So I meet up and that's how I met you guys. And I met you and Adam and Doug and Pat and Ryan and Adam, all you guys. And so that's when I met you guys originally. And so I was just probably 19, 20. And, you know, your show, at, I think it was the impromptu stage. I don't even remember what stage it was, but it was bonkers. And, of course, the year before I heard was the one that was even more bonkers, um, you know, in the lore of Cornerstone or whatever. So I – We'll never forget that show. And I remember I was a buddy of mine was videoing, and Jay was on the side stage with you guys, and he's like singing, and it was just like ironic because you know what? A year or two later, he's in the band, of course. And uh, I don't know. That was just a, a. I'll this so I vividly remember every moment of meeting you guys and getting to know you guys. And then I think I met you guys at, at Furnace Fest a little bit. You know, the the next what three four months later, whatever it was. And so, anyway, I didn't mean to take the floor, but I just wanted to like show or tell you that that you know, you guys have just been, you know, to me a pivotal band in my life, and I, I'm just so grateful for your friendship and all you guys like love it, love it, love it. I just you know I don't know if I don't know if you remember any of that, but, but that's basically I remember that. I remember that time fondly. Uh, like I remember driving. I mean, to go from Charlotte, North Carolina, out to. God, where in Illinois was it again? Bush, what was Bush the name Nell, of the town? Yeah. Bushnell, Illinois. That's right. And, um, yeah, just going out there and there was people from all over and there was hardcore bands from California there. And you remember like Intermeans and Bloodshed oh, yeah. and, oh, yeah. you know, and like I, I just those shows were amazing back yeah. in the day in those tents. I'm sure looking back, I mean, it was pure energy, you know, yeah. and it was pure energy of youth, right? Because I'm sure if I went and saw the show tents now, I'd be like, oh, the sound is terrible in here or something <laughs> like that. Out in the middle of like nowhere, you know, in like yeah. late 90s, early 2000s, like tech. Um, but dude, I had a blast at those shows. Those were some of like, you know, the earliest defining moments of, like, our lives as far as music is concerned. Like, yeah. getting to play in front of thousands of people, yeah. you know? Like, we didn't, you know, that was a first time experiencing that. Um, and just as far as, like, the shows, it's funny. I don't remember the shows themselves. I remember them through the pictures I've yeah. seen of the show. Yeah. Right. Because you just get lost in the moment. But I do remember the very first Cornerstone show just throwing up like crazy afterwards because it was so hot. And we played in like yeah. the late afternoon. We'd go up there, like thrash about. And I like get off and have heat exhaustion. And I'm like throwing up all over the place. You know, Dude. fond memories. <laughs> <laughs> you guys 
went off. Like I, I mean, you guys, who I just, I'll never forget that. It was just like so vivid in my mind, and it was just such a, you know, th- that time was special anyway, just in general. But like, you guys, like, frick, it took it to the next level. Like, oh man, it was just epic. It was so so awesome. It was the energy of youth, you know. <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of energy. <laughs> I know. I. I and you know me and the crowd yes in the pit you know, the whole thing now i'm like uh eh, side stage i'm good <laughs> you know it's like yep. Yep. it's yep. uh oh yeah awesome sweet well so tell me josh i want to talk about kind of your uh, growing up um you know kind of your musical journey where it began kind of uh how did how did things go in your home and the growing up and what shaped into into what you've you've become well, it's funny, like I was not allowed to listen to anything but Christian music and then the Beatles. My mom loved the Beatles and she could oh. never like get rid of that. Oh, yeah. Uh, but so so my musical career or like musical tastes had a lot to do with what my friends were like funneling me under the radar, you know, like making me tapes and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, so I have a lot of that to Oda. I, I remember just growing up. Me and Ryan Parrish were in the same youth group. And when we used to go to like youth group trips to the beach or youth group trips to the mountains or this or that or the other, he would bring along, he would get like a head, and we would just sit there for the entirety of the trip of wherever we were going and just jam records the whole yeah. time from start to finish. Same thing on the way back. We did this like every single year. And we were, you know, we started as like grunge rock kids. So we were listening. I mean, Siamese Dream to us, we literally called it Old Faithful. Yeah. Because it was like this record always hits, you know. Yeah. But there was a lot of hum. There was Oasis. There was Pearl Jam, Rage Against the Machine, Soundgarden, the Pixies, Dinosaur Jr., the Toadies. We were huge Toadies fans. Um, especially that first record, um, helmet was a really big one. Um, and then, you know, we started and then like the tooth and nail thing started to creep in a little bit. And do you remember poor old Lou? Oh yes. Scott's Scott's on the, on the podcast. Oh, nice. They weren't tooth and nail, but like, dude, we were huge poor old Lou fans. And you know, what was like, and then, then like the hardcore version of like stuff started coming out on, uh, on tooth and nail. I think like even before they started solid state. Yeah. Um, but that, that, that strong arm record advent of a miracle. Yeah. Perfect. Was just perfect. Landmark, you know, yeah. the, the, the first Zayo where it was splinter, splinter shards or yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, Splinter. Wait, that is the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Splinter Shards is the first one. Um, Overcome, dude. Yeah. Dude, the, the focal point. Yeah. Like, loved those records, yeah. man. Those, oh, the yeah. super brutal. So we kind of like, we were grunge kids, and then it was like tooth and nail, right? And from tooth and nail, we kind of split into like, indie emo and then like hardcore and there was a like a a, a small thread of punk right in the middle of all of that like some pop punk and some ska stuff 
<clears throat> on the indie emo early stuff like Mineral and Promise Ring yeah. and I don't know Christy Front Drive and yeah. oh my God who else the Jimmy Eat World you know and then in the hardcore side it started with like some of the early Victory Record stuff so Snapcase was yeah. like massively influential and then Revelation Records when like Shia Lude came out yeah you know and then. And we started getting into the Boston bands converge and cave in and, you yep. know, the Northeast started yep. coming into play. So that was kind of all swirling around, you know, with that. So grunge and then emo indie and hardcore. Yeah. You know, that was kind of the early music that really, really, really turned all of us on. Yeah. 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 I definitely can relate to that. I feel like we're definitely on the same um, spectrum when it comes to that. I feel like every record you mentioned, I gravitated to i went to i lost my mind to it was just definitely again i hate the word pivotal but it was pivotal and and it was just it was you know it was just it really was not so much even a way of life but it was like it, it was kind of like a badge of armor or I'll excuse me, a badge of honor it's like oh I, I have these bands that you know i i believe it was the same an identity thing. yeah yeah it was an identity and it was like especially pre-internet like really pre-internet you yeah. know like where you had to search for it yeah. it's like you didn't know if you didn't know like yeah. you had to go looking for this stuff you know yeah. and, and so it, it's and like it so fun to you, find it <laughs> you know it's, yeah the search was half of it but just your story about how like you you got the record at a distro at a different show yeah. you know like yeah, yeah that was how you would get records yep and I, I i do miss i miss the chase i miss the you know i miss the pursuit if you will um you know but at the same time yeah. i do enjoy being able to pull up any record catalogs what's that oh, catalogs. oh yeah. god bless oh yeah i got a hum yeah. i got a hum record from one of those catalogs Freaking love Spotify. oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah sick Who, dude. was it crank mail order yes crank and yeah, uh yeah i mean there were so many uh, dude trust me i man dude i think i think chris from minerals coming on soon onto the podcast oh very good yeah dude he's he's, he's so good he's so awesome yeah he's, dude, a, he's glo- dude, mineral and, and and some of that gloria record stuff is some oh, of like man. the most memorable music for certain times in my life oh, definitely oh. Definitely each one of those bands had like some soundtrack. Yeah. Like periods of my life where it's like I specifically reference them with a very, you know, yep. emotional memory from my youth. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. I totally relate 100%. Um, so, with those uh, influences, what kind of what led to the band beginning? Um, you know, obviously you and Ryan were friends and uh, kind of how did Hope's Fall begin? Uh, was there a pre-band or what, like how does that how did that happen? There was a pre-band and it was called One Amazing Kid. And so oh, initially it was me, Chris Kincaid, Ryan Parrish, Adam Morgan. Um, and it was the four of us playing and I played bass actually at that point and then when it just fall chris played bass and i played guitar um but we we played those you know at like our youth and nothing for nothing serious like not in clubs or anything like that but there 
was a there was a hard and and in the high schools and stuff like that. And so we knew kids that were in a scene. It's like we knew we could probably play shows with some of those bands if we started a band. And so we were like, well, let's start a band like that. And just because we weren't like technical enough guitar players to play metal, we just played what came out on that on that Frailty Awards record, which was like us trying to be really, really heavy, um, you know, and uh, but it worked, you know, we got our little spot in that scene. And um, and it's funny that we're talking about those early days now because it's like Prayer for Cleansing just played a reunion show in Winston-Salem not long ago. And um, Will, who plays guitar in Hope's Fall uh, now, um, is uh was in the drummer in prayer for cleansing and between the Barry to me initially. Um, Crazy. So it's funny. It all ties together. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so after you started uh, one amazing kid and it turned into hope's fall, how yeah. long, how long was that? How long was the one amazing kid to hope's fall? And then from hope's fall, when did you start to kind of get serious and start right frailty of words, I guess. I, I think we started writing frailty the very, first practice we had we were like let's write songs you know yeah. and we we just had riffs i think there was two songs that made a demo before we started right before anything that came that was frailty um i literally think shines through is the first song that we wrote on wow. frailty yeah i'm pretty sure that's the truth <laughs> it's so long ago, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that's the truth. <laughs> um, but it, like we did one amazing kid for a couple years and then we had gone away to college. I went to Montreat College in, in Black Mountain, North Carolina, and Ryan had gone to Elon, which is, um, you know, I think it's, it's near Thomasville. It might actually no, it's in Burlington, North Carolina. And we would drive home on the weekends and pl- and practice. And so then we both transferred back to UNCC and uh, yeah, basically started, started the band straight away. Like we moved back to UNCC so we could play in the band. I love that. I love that. Did I lose you? No, you're good. Yeah. It cut out for a little oh, bit. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. You there? No, it froze on me there for a second. Oh, yeah. I don't know if this yeah. Wi-Fi at the uh, courtyard Marriott in Augusta is great, just so you know. <laughs> I don't think it's great. Oh, yeah, I believe it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so you started the band. Okay. You, guys, you guys back went to school primarily to start Hope's Fall. And then is that kind of when you guys were like, let's write a record. Let's, let's, let's do this. Yeah. It was all through college, essentially, that we did Frailty. Um, and I, I remember driving down to a studio in South Carolina, like, weekend, during, like, spring semester one year. Is that right? Or maybe it was semester. But, like, we would drive down there, record Friday night and Saturday night, and then come back. And that's how we did the record. And it took us probably, like, six or eight weekends or somewhere along those lines. Yeah. And uh, and we and we we put it together like in this piece by piece piecemeal sort of thing, which is not how you would do it. You sure. know, but that's how we did that one. And it was it was super fun. 
So it was all it was all during college, early years of college. When you wrote that record, how did you feel? How did you feel about? It? Were you just freaking stoked on it, or were you just like, "It is what it is"? Or like, were you? I mean, obviously, in the the passion and your and you guys' performance, obviously, you. I feel like you were stoked on it at the time. Is it? Is it? Looking back, are you like, man, this was like paved kind of where we're going, or were you like, this is all we have, this is what we have to make? Well, I, I think that all of the above, like we were excited about it and we were having fun making it. And, you know, the process for writing the songs was the same. It's like you bring riffs together. Everybody starts to, everybody plays along. And if somebody doesn't like a part, the part gets cut and you find something else. But it was like this big riff mashup and it was this very collaborative process. There was no one main songwriter. And so it felt like it was a shared experience. It felt like we were on this special team, you know, and we yeah. were making some and we were we were thrilled to be able to be doing it. You yeah. know, I mean, we look at it now and think, yeah, we were young, but, you know, you got to start somewhere. And so yeah. we were we were having a blast. I, I look back on it with fond memories, you know, that's great. What's yeah. um, looking back on it? Uh, what's well, like what song do you love the most on that record just what's the one that like looking back you're like that's a banger i think i think i really like in reflection and from your hands yep those are great ones he is like track two and or track four track two and track four i think those were my i think looking back on it and then the one the the, the instrumental lament yes yeah which was basically largely just Chris Chris Kincaid's idea. Um, that one was I thought I, I still listened to that and I thought we nailed it with some of the feedback swells yeah. and like the oh yeah big atmospherics was very very much a yeah. precursor of things that were to come. Yeah, yeah, uh, and yeah. I know that was on I know that was on DTS and I, I know you guys at that time were. Just a small little uh, band, but was was there any other interest in any other way, or was that just the main label that was like, "Hey, let me put this out. I, this is great." Yeah, I mean, they approached us. They booked a show for us in Columbia, South Carolina, and the guy was like, "Yeah, I I, I do this, and I would like to work with you guys." And we we're like, "We're thrilled. Somebody wants to work with us." And he put the yeah. money down, and we were teenagers. We didn't have the money to do it ourselves, <laughs> so it was like it was perfect. Yeah, a match made in heaven, if you will. Yeah, quite literally. <laughs> the Carolinas being heaven. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, how long after Frailty? I know it's probably. I mean, it's my memory shaky. Um, when did you start to write the songs for No Wings to Speak of EP? Kind of, um, you know, and it's, it's definitely a departure, but in a good way. And and obviously, production's way better in the um, the song. Right? I mean, it's. I, it's funny because I think that EP is perfect and I would not touch a thing about it. But looking back on it, I do wish it was a full length because I feel like, you know, it could have been, you know, even better than it was. I mean, it was it's incredible as it is. But, you know, I do love that it, it is that way. But, you know, the the fan of me is like, man, I wish I would have been a, a full length, you know, like how, you know, I guess what kind of what kind of caused the EP or what led you to the EP? And of course, Take Hold. That's when you signed with Take Hold. Yeah. And I think it was just simply we had those four songs, you know, and take hold like w w it wasn't like a 
I think it was it was much more of like a a, a, a one off deal, like a handshake deal. It's not like we were signed to take yeah. hold for an extended period of time. They were just like, we're gonna put out this. Re- we want to put something out. And we were like, well, we've got four songs. Let's do an EP. And they were down with it. And um, that came out in I believe the summer of two thousand one. Yeah. Or was it the summer of 2000? 2001. I can't quite remember. I think it might be 2001. And um, I mean, we started writing those songs and it was just basically, it was me and Ryan and Adam. And we wrote those songs like on guitar, just two guitars and drums. And basically then like brought in bass and, uh, and vocals afterwards, but we'd been working on those. I remember end of an era came together in like two practices. Oh my God. And it was like the two practices that we had, that were right after it took us like three and a half or four months to write April left with silence. Oh my gosh. And then two practices to write end of an era. And it happened like back to back. Like we were, we felt like we were stuck on, um, on, on, uh, on April and it's just funny that it's like, I guess all the hard work on April just kind of got us to this creative point. And then it was like, yeah. boom, we just showed up and played End yeah. of an Era, basically. Like, it just came together supernatural. Yeah. Um, and that was, like, probably junior year of college. Yeah, because I graduated in December of 2002. No. December of 2002. So, yeah. In I think August of two thousand one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, looking back on that record, how do you feel about it? What uh, do you feel like that was the be- the beginning of an era? I guess, or, or do you feel like that was? I mean, I mean, you have to look back. I like- felt like I felt like that was the first thing where we really were like, okay, we know who we are musically. We know what we're trying to do. You know, we're trying, there's nothing preconceived about it. We're still just trying to capture energy every time we practice or play songs. Like we're just trying to cap, chase the energy of the room and capture something good. Yeah. Um, Felt like vision, like we were much more on a path and I, and I think that we were confident. We we were confident in what we were doing at that point. Yeah. Uh, Um, Back, step back. I know, obviously, Tate, you guys did this with Takehold. Was there any other labels at that time that were interested? Uh, that were, were they like, or was Takehold just like the one? I don't think so. I think that's the only people like Take. I don't think there was anybody else that were really on their radar. The radar. Like, yeah. like with your your revelation or your victory or Hydrahead or anything in the Northeast. Like, I, I don't think we just weren't on the radar. We were a small South. Southeast band yeah you know and cold was a southeast label at the time yeah yeah do you what what's your favorite song from that from that ep april yeah like we still, we still play that one i mean we still play that one yeah you know almost every show almost every show it's like that that one just stuck yeah you know it is it is like a ma- it's a masterpiece EP, <laughs> like literally through and through. It's perfect. I know probably production wise, you know, now could be better, but I love the grittiness of it. I love that it sounds the way it sounds. It's it's it it is 
quintessential to that time, you know, for me at least, and I know many others, it's just a, a stalwart, you know, it's like one of those records that like, man, it's just priceless. It really is. Yeah, I, I, you know, like it, when it when it comes on or something or one of the songs comes on shuffle, I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, like <laughs> I, I'm I'm happy when I hear it, you know. Yeah. I'm like I, I'm glad we did that. Yeah, you know, I'm glad we captured that. That's awesome. Um, now, w- did you guys record that yourself, or did, did anyone help you with that, or was that just you guys? We went to a studio in Richmond, Virginia, and we we went with this guy named Mark Miley, and he worked at this place called Glass Hand, and they had done like a Hot Water music record. I oh, think okay. they'd done like an Avail record. Oh wow! Um, I think I think that's how we like kind of found. And then it was close by, like we could get, we could drive to it. And, uh, and it was also kind of cool because we stayed with, um, while we were there, we, some of us, me and Ryan stayed with John, who at the time was the lead singer of Spitfire. Oh yeah. um, Yeah. Cause he was living in Richmond, uh, back then, or, uh, maybe, maybe they would, maybe they had stopped doing Spitfire and were just doing Scarlet, but it was right around time. Yeah. And uh, and so I have yeah just fond memories of putting that record together as well in the studio we were in it was a good time yeah was when you gave the EP to Takehold was Chad just like over the moon or was he like what did what did he say I don't know I wasn't there when you know when he gave it to it it's like I remember he was stoked about it like that he was really stoked about the release. Um, and that the other bands on the label seemed like that, like that we were kind of just becoming friends with. See, you there? Furnace Fest was coming. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, you good? You cut out? No worries. Yeah, yeah, no, it's okay. Uh, but no, like I remember for the release of Knowings, we were supposed to have it for the very first Furnace Fest. Oh wow! And. It came a week late, oh my so God. we didn't have it for Furnace Fest. Holy crap. We were super bummed. We were super bummed on it, but like you know, eventually it came out a week later, and all was well. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome though. That's cool. That that's uh, yeah, that's really really cool. I I just man, just an amazing EP. Um, thanks. So after No Wings, um. Is that when started um, traction started? You know, Trust Kill started looking. Maybe Solid State. All all these labels started to kind of knock on your door. Um, kind of talk about that for a little bit, bef- and then we'll and then we'll touch on Satellite Years. Jeremy, you froze up there for a second. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, but no, you were you, when I lost you. No, no, when oh, I sorry. lost you, you yeah. were talking about. Solid state trust kill and yeah, I was just saying kind of touch on that time. You know, how was that for you guys? I know that all the labels started knocking on your door and kind of how, how did that feel? How was that experience? And and then kind of why you guys obviously decided on, on trust kill. Well, it was, I mean, it was super validating to, to, to like all these labels that like we really actively thought were awesome and like had clout and had bands that we liked were, courting us um and you know it was really it really came down to like should we go to solid state because they were they had an offer on the table but then we went up going with with trust kill because they weren't a christian label yeah and they offered us a three record deal instead of a five record deal sure um 
and and we were like, let's let's go the opposite direction because it's like that's 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 where we are. We're trying to break away from this like Christian label. So we yeah. went the totally opposite direction. We went to Trust Kill, and uh, and then that that got us set on the path to go to to Matt Talbot and Tolono and 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 uh, it opened up a lot of doors for us. Going on Trust Kill opened up a lot of doors. Yeah, you that's know. awesome. Yeah. And I think that if we'd signed to Solid State, we would have still been opened up a lot of doors as well because it didn't matter. Like Under Oath and Norma Jean, they Norma blew massive. up. And, yeah. You know, they went they went and got massive at the same time. So it was like we, we, we thought that that would be a detriment, but it turned out to not be. Yeah. You yeah. know, it would have been just fine. Well, it was like a scarlet letter somewhat at that time. You know, as a Christian band, you're like – you know, you're not quite punk rock, but you're not quite, you know, but you're, you're, you know, it was like, so I'm sure some people were like, oh, that's a Christian band. I can't like a Christian band or whatever it may be. And it's like, well, good music is good music. You know, it doesn't really, doesn't yeah. matter, you know, yeah. in the but grand it was important. It was important for us to step outside of that. Totally. Well, because it, it is a label, you know, it is a, yeah. you know, something that a pigeonholedness of, of it, you know, so mm-hmm. sweet. So. Let's talk about the satellite years and, like you said, Matt Talbot, huge hum fan here as well. Um, what was that like? I mean, that you know, that's probably a hero of yours. You know, like what kind of spawned that when you were talking to Trustkill? Were you like, we want Matt Talbot? Were you like, you know, this is the direction we want to go? Like, how how, did, how was that whole interaction? They they asked us like, who would be your like dream scenario producers and we just threw out we 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 threw out the ones that we that we really liked and we were like you know Steve Evitz in um Tracks East in New Jersey or Matt Talbot or I mean we said Ken Andrews <laughs> oh my god dude <laughs> even him. back then we said Ken Andrews and um and and Matt Talbot was down like he he was willing to work with the budget he heard no wings and was like okay I I, I get it like I like it's not what I would have chosen, but I see what you're doing. I, I, yeah. I see how you were influenced by Hum. And, and um, so when we first got there, it was nerve wracking. <laughs> you know, we're like 21, 22 years old. And we're like with our musical hero. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he's quiet. And yeah. so like the first two days, we were just like, I don't know if this guy likes us. Um you know, we're, we're, we're working through some things. I don't know if he gets our jokes and this and that and the other. But I just remember, like, we finally, like, broke through to him when um, Adam would just start calling him Matt Talbot. Like, like every time, every time, like, that. like he's doing, like, drum sounds and he's like, hey, you know, you're, like, talking to the mic. He's like, Matt Talbot, can I have more hi-hats in the, in the headphone monitors? He's like. And, then, you know, he clicking is like, Matt Talbot, that, that kick sounds pretty good. I like it. You know, and like That's he just terrible. like broke and he just like like everybody was like dying laughing. And then from that point on, it was just like, all right, we're buddies. Like, this That's is awesome. Like, what a cool story. Yeah. And then he like took us to like a University of Illinois, like football sc- spring scrimmage. And like <laughs> we went to a bar that he liked one night and went and saw the helicopters play. I don't know if oh, you remember wow. that being the helicopters. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and it was a good time. That's hysterical. I love, I love that. That's so funny. I, I mean, I yeah. totally could see, 
you know, the, like you said, the nervousness. And then it's just like something absurd like that, that, you know, breaks the ice. I love that. That's incredible. Um, what, so I know you said he was kind of seeing what you guys were doing, but how did he feel about the way the record turned out? Um, you know, I, I love, I love satellite years. Like, I think it's fantastic. And like, do you feel like he succeeded in the vision that you had, or do you feel like, you know, looking back on it, is this, is it something you walked away? He walked away being like, Oh, this is, uh, you know, I, I guess just kind of how he kind of, uh, wound up, you know, either liking the record or whatnot. And then how you guys wound up liking the record. He was extremely complimentary uh, of hopes fall and was like, he's like, I see how you guys were influenced by home and you went in a direction that I wouldn't have seen coming. Yeah. And, uh, and so he 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 knew our references like when we were trying to record the record and like we're trying to get tones and sounds and like say, oh, like this idea. It's like it was very much in his ballpark, like he yeah. understood. So um, and he even told me late later, um, we, 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 we stay in touch a little bit. And um, and he was like, you know, I he's like, I, I really fondly remember that piece of music. And uh, and he's like, I'm happy I sang on that. He's like, I consider that like one of like one of my songs almost. That's so cool. You know, um, because he had a melody and then him and Jay just like figured yeah. out the lyrics and it just like Perfect. we had the music written and we were bugging him to like sing on the record. We we're like, do a guest vocal spot, do a guest vocal. And uh, he's like, no, 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 I'm not doing guest vocals. I'm not doing guest vocals. And then. Eventually, he was like, all right, I'll do guest vocals if you guys can beat because we would play Nintendo 64 like when we weren't recording. And it was when Goldeneye, you oh, yeah, yeah. James Bond Goldeneye, yeah. like the video game was out. And it just turns out that Chad spent his college career playing Goldeneye. And so Matt Talbot was like, yeah, well, if one of you guys can beat me at Goldeneye thinking like. He is like, dude, I freaking own this game. You know, like I'm I'm going to fucking wipe you out. And Chad fucking eviscerated him. <laughs> like, he, just, he blew him up, man. And we just like hounded him. We're like, you got to do it. You got to do it. And then he and then he like the moment was right. And we had we were working on the the music. We'd finished the music and, and Jay and him were just kind of humming melodies and stuff. Yeah. And it just. Boom. I mean, it was like in 10 minutes we had we had the vocals done. That's incredible. Yeah. When you when you were listening to the mixes and everything, like how were you feeling? Were you like, sounds incredible? Were you like and even the fact that you had Matt sing on it, were you just like, holy crap? Like what? Like, you yeah. know, like looking back on it, it's 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 like we captured lightning in a bottle to get Matt Talbot to sing on it because like he doesn't really do a whole lot of that. Yeah. Um, but he records a lot of bands and, uh, I just think we caught him when he was young enough and in, like in a transitory period, <laughs> you know, had, hadn't fully established himself in that new yeah. portion of his career where he was <laughs> willing to be bent to our wishes. Um, <laughs> you know, although I think he had a good time doing it and he was, you know, very pleasant about it, but we were excited about tracking it and excited about all the tones that we were getting. Yeah. I remember when we mixed it and we got the final mixes back we were like 
we wanted it to sound a little heavier and yeah. it turned out very like organic. Yeah. I, so, I get that. And, but, but like it grew on us type of yeah. situation, you know, yeah. but it was always kind of like, we love that Matt Talbot recorded the record. We're happy that Keith Cleversley mixed it, but we wish we'd had more time because we had a very short amount of time to mix it. Sure. And we had to make a lot of decisions that were just rushed, yeah. you know? Um, and that was that's but but you know what like it came out and everybody liked it yeah so we were like well cool what did what did <laughs> what did Treskill say when they, they got liked it they loved it yeah dude what's your uh, what's your favorite song on that record jeez man I don't know. I really like that record. I, I I think I'll go on like I'll I'll go based on like live performance of it. Like I really like playing only the clouds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a I'll great say song. that one because I like playing that one the most. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the bending. I think that song is like I feel like that's you guys in a nutshell. You know, you know. I mean, all of your stuff, but I I just feel like you guys have it all on that song. You know, just like. You know, it's just yeah. it's it's Hope's fault. You know, uh, to me. I, I agree. I think that sound is pretty much like if you had to pick one, you yeah. might as well pick that one. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? And and people lose their minds to it. You know, it's even even better. Yeah. Um. So during this, you obviously, you, how are the tours with with since you're on Treskill now? You know, you said it opened doors for you guys. How were the tours? Like, what kind of tours were you going? Like, I know the earlier ones, you know, probably were limited somewhat. But yeah, well, um, we start, we started getting full U.S. tours. We started getting European tours. You know, we started getting can Canadian tours. Like, we we were just, I mean, we were touring with the bands that we wanted to be playing with. We were playing with Every Time I Die and Norma Jean and Dillinger and hate breed <laughs> insane and, uh, i mean we toured with coheed in cambria we toured with the ataris we did warp tour we did i saw you with the ataris actually yeah now i think about it with Ju i think it might have been juliana theory i don't know something like that i, I remember seeing, yeah. i went to see you guys down in oklahoma city and hung out and i remember yeah, that tour. i think yeah well it would have been planes mistaken planes yeah mistaken. that was yeah. that was the, that was yeah. the ataris tour yeah yeah um but like we got to play with a wide variety of bands from heavy bands to indie bands to pop punk bands. All, yeah, all the bands like, that, yeah. It was very indicative of like our varied influence. It's like we weren't just a hardcore band. Like you could throw us on a lot of different bills. And I mean, we got to play with like like indie classic bands, like, you know, I mean, we played shows with Engine, we did a whole tour with Engine Down and Bear vs. Shark and that's nuts. Hey Mercedes, you know, and um, but then we also did tours with like, you know, just really punishingly heavy bands and and like really big bands like Avenge Sevenfold and Atreyu yeah. and Under Oath, you know. That's incredible. It was, it was all over the place. I bet I bet at that time you guys were just like, I mean, I'm just projecting but i just can't I, i'm sure you guys were just like oh my god we hit the big time like this is like you know well it's like it was fun to be a part of it all and it was fun to be on tour because you felt like you were really doing it because you were seeing the country and you're 
playing sold out shows all over and you're the place. Paid. And you're getting paid, you know? No. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's where the reality yeah. set in because it's like, no, it's like we'd go on a three month tour and, and ten days before the tour is over, I'm calling my the, my old boss at the pizza place being like, I'm going to be home in two weeks. I need to work. And I need to work like seven days a week for like a month. And then I'm going to be gone again. <laughs> and that's how I paid my bills. You know, yeah. it's like, like there was pennies left over from going on the road and then you'd scrape together odd jobs in between. So it's like you're living this juxtaposition of this crazy wild ride. I'm going to Europe and partying and playing these big festivals where the fucking killers and guns and roses and shit, yeah. you know. And then like you go home and deliver pizzas during the the night and you go during the day and you do odd jobs like help tile floors or uh, assemble remote control cars like yeah. I mean, you're just piecing it together. So, yes, it was awesome. And B, we were poor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it never turned into the rock and roll experience where you're like, oh, yeah, we made it because yeah. we didn't. Yeah. No, I get <laughs> we that. were there, but we didn't make it. It's funny. It's it's funny from a fan perspective. It's like you look at a band and you're like, man, that band's blowing up, or that band's like, you know, I wouldn't anyway. You know, I used to book shows, and it's funny because I actually wound up. I don't know if you knew this after you had left the band. I actually booked Hope's Fall one time. Um, yeah, it was just Jay, and I don't even know who else played. It wasn't Adam. It wasn't Ryan. It wasn't anyone else. But it was them, and I think I, I had booked with Joan Zetta. Remember that Joan Zetta. They played as well, um, and so it was awesome. It was cool for me, but I was Jay was the only one I knew, and I was just like, you know, it's Hope's fault, but it's not Hope's fault, and to me at least, you know, in that in that moment. But anyway, you know, looking looking at it, I'm like, wow, like you know, when I go see you guys play with the Ataris, and you know, that place was packed, and you know, you know, two three thousand kids there. I'm like, wow, they're they're crushing it right now. And then you know, to hear you say, which you know, as a promoter, I do know, you know, because I remember paying. A day to remember a hundred bucks for a concert, you know, and a, they're massive. You know, I remember paying, you know, who, whomever, you know, Portugal the Man, a hundred dollars. Now yeah. they're like, yeah, I mean, it's just yeah, stuff like that. It's like, you know, you don't know till you know, but you know. But anyway, sorry, you cut out. I apologize. Yeah. Um, no, no. Yeah, so anyway, yeah. Back to satellite years. So you're the tours are going fairly well. You're not getting paid. Um, are you starting to feel the after effects of that? Are you starting to feel like, um, you know, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Is this worth it? You know, how, how are you feeling? Well, at that? It, it was one of those things where like my my at that point, my will had not wavered at all as far as like, we're doing this, like we're putting 110% into it because it was like, you can't just at 22, 23 years old, be like, this isn't successful enough. Yeah. You, you know, like you're, you're, you're still having way too much fun. Like I was having way too much fun to consider quitting, but after job. five <laughs> years of that same thing, you know, it was like, okay, like, yeah. Like I have to, at some point I have to grow up. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, but no, it wasn't, that wasn't happening until later. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. So 
satellite years comes out, you guys are, you know, cruising, things are going decent, you, you know, and then is that start when you started writing a types? I know Ryan had left at that point, I assume, right? Is right. That- so Ryan, Ryan wasn't in the band anymore. And we had Chad played guitar for a while. And then Will played guitar for a while. And then we recruited Dustin that was oh, from yeah. Kansas City and Saved by Grace. Yeah, yeah. And when he moved to Charlotte, we started writing. Um, and there was all kinds of like drama around the starting of that because it's like we had gotten robbed on tour. We had lost like all of our stuff. Like it was a it was a financial disaster. Like it was it was like it was a tough time for somebody yeah. to join a band. And then we had like three months to write a record and we'd never all written together before. But it's like we just got in there and wrote and it was like, boom, like, yeah, knocked it out. Um, and then when we went to the studio for a types, that was in 2004 and it was in June and Adam Morgan had left the band five days before we were going to record. We had gotten another drummer. He only had five days to like learn the songs and they like go to the studio to record the album. And like, we should have hit pause there and like spent more time, but like we were young and we didn't know any better. So we just like powered through, you know, we're just like, all right, let's just, you know, drink beer and do drugs and get this done. And like, we'll just (laughs) fucking power through. And that was fun. Yeah. You know, and, and, and we made a types and, and, but, and, and that we just continued to keep going around and, and, and getting the big, bigger and bigger tours and yeah. getting to Europe and South America. We went and played Brazil on that nice. tour. Like it was awesome. Um, looking back on that record, how do you feel about that? Like, uh, I know it's definitely a departure even more so um you know than the satellite years so like uh, you know i'm sure there was how did the, how did the label perceive it how like how, how how was that whole thing i mean it was like they we we told them like hey we're we're writing we're not it's like we had more of a rock and roll mindset like we wanted to try different things um and just you know test ourselves in a different way and the label was fine with it i don't think there was any problem there um the fan response was mediocre, but it's 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 like that was the record I'm most nostalgic about. Okay. Like interestingly enough, like I listened back onto that and I I I love that record. Yeah. Um it's good. That's just me. <laughs> no, I get it. I was gonna ask you, what is your favorite record that you played on? Like just ultimately. I think ultimately Arbiter. Oh yeah, love that record. Well, ultimately Arbiter, but like um, I don't know, man, like that, the ones and owl and breathe from coma off of, uh, off a types are, are, are some of my favorite songs we ever wrote. Yeah. Like easily. Who did you record that with? Uh, with, it was, so it was the, the producer was Steven Hagler and the engineer was Mike Watts and Mike Watts. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then we formed a really good friendship with him and yeah. that's eventually who we ended up like doing magnetic North with. Yes. And Arbiter. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. So at this point with a types, you know, I guess back to my question, are you, are, do you feel like your wheels are spinning? Do you feel like, 
you know, are you like starting to kind of one foot in, one foot out? Are you as you're are you married at this time or are you in a relationship or no. like what what's 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 your headspace like? I wasn't married. I wasn't in a relationship, but I was very much like we have to like we have to make a defining piece of music. If we're going to keep doing this, because it's like. This is the we're, we're we're living in poverty, essentially, like, or not, not, not to like over dramatize it. It's like because it's like I had a family that I could fall back on if things went horribly, horribly. Yeah. Awry, you know, but it's like, yeah, you're making you're you're you got we well, got seven people living in one apartment, you know, and you're just, you know, scraping by on odd jobs and stuff like that. It's like, OK you know, like I want to keep doing this. Yes. But it's like, there's gotta be some payback at some point. And then we just doubled down on writing the record. We stopped touring for like a year and we're just like, we're just going to write. We're going to spend, we're going to make this, we're going to spend so much time writing. We're going to write a mountain of music. And like, I think we ended up like, I think we wrote like 16 songs for that record. Um, that record's great. Thank you. No, I I love that record. I'm extremely proud yeah. of the record. Um, but it was it was a hard it was a hard record to write. It was dark times, and when I listen back to it, I think that it's a very dark, melancholy. But I think it was a very accurate representation of where everybody was. You know? Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Totally. This kind of desperation that I feel when I listen to it. Um, yeah. yeah. What's uh what's your favorite song on that record? Saskatchewan. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That's a which didn't one. make the final cut. Yeah. Which was cut from the record. Yeah. Uh, and eventually I quit. I, I that's literally why I quit the band. Really? Yes. Like I was Wait. like, I didn't join the I didn't start this band with my friends nine years ago for some fucking record label executive to tell me what song is or isn't going to make the record. Yeah, absolutely. And then you, and then they cut my favorite song from the record. And I was like, you know what? That's the sign. Like I'm out. That's it. That's it for me. I'm done. Like I never toured the record. Uh, we wrote it, recorded it. I found out what the track listing was called. Everybody in the band was like, I quit. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. What did they say? I quit too, except for Jay. <laughs> blazing your own trail dude yeah. blazing your own trail that's funny i mean was it obviously you said that was one of the main reasons was that kind of like and you think in that moment where you just like again back to spinning your wheels were you just like did you think if this happens i'm out or was it like no i'm i'm just out like i had no preface for like it's not like, oh, I'm gonna if if this goes like this. I mean, we were I was fully prepared to tour the record. Like we were going, like all right, we're doing yeah. this damn thing. Like I'm I'm pissed off about a lot of things, but it's like we put our heart and soul into this. We're fucking doing it. Yeah. And then that happened, and I was like, you know what? I'm not doing it. Like I'm not. Like I'm I'm done putting my effort into something that makes somebody else money. And they have the control and the power. Like, I'm out. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And it was what I needed at the time. Like, it was the right decision for me at the time. Totally. Is that kind of what led you to the brewery or or were other odd jobs or? Yeah, I mean, then it was like I spent 
you know, I was, I was working odd jobs and stuff and just continued to do that. But like, I just was like, I'm working seven days a week. I'm going to save up a bunch of money and I'm going backpacking through Europe. Amazing. And so that's what I did for two months is I just, I, I like sold all a, a ton of my shit like moved like the remainder of my things into like my parents' home and then went backpacking through Europe. And when I ran out of money, I was like, okay, time to go home and become an adult. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how long after Magnetic North and you quitting, when did uh, you guys start maybe talking about doing Arbiter? Uh, you know, like, I mean, I feel like it was a couple years, right? Oh, well, so like, I mean, Hope's Law was dead and buried, like yeah. we were done. And so me and Dustin and Adam just started playing again just to have fun. Like we were like, let's write something. It's it's not Hope's Fall. Like we had no intent uh, of of doing that again. But we were like, we want to play music and be creative. And so. We. Probably started writing again in like 2010, 2000 and maybe 2009. We wrote a few songs like musically, and then we would take like six months breaks from writing music. And we're like, we would, this is how we would do it. We would go to, we were in a bowling league. Oh, I think Adam told me that. Yeah. Yeah. And we would go bowling. And then we would go to band rehearsal afterwards and get drunk and, you know, just fuck around a little bit and turn our guitars on and just yeah. play loud and intention of doing a song. And eventually we got enough songs together that we went and recorded a demo and I sent it to Mike Watts just to be like, hey, man, since we're like your boys will you give us a deal <laughs> like can we come <laughs> can we like can we come up and record on the cheap with you and he's like do you mind if i just shop the damn recording he's like it's a demo it's from you guys he's like people are gonna want to hear this someone will pay for you to do it totally and we were like sure and so but what he didn't tell me he was like i'm gonna shop at his hope's fault and i'm gonna go to labels and be like hey if you can convince these guys to to say their hopes fall, this is actually hopes fall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And EVR was like, they came to us and they were like, if you actually want to do this, if you call a hopes fall, we'll back you. Wow. Like we'll put, we'll, we'll put this thing together for you. And so we were like, when we really debated it, we were like, I don't know if we want to open that can of worms. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of shit we thought we left in the past there. Yeah. And, you know, but ultimately it came down to it. The fact that it was like, if we didn't call it Hope's Fall, it would be just out of pride. And like, it would be spiting ourselves and be like cutting yeah. off your nose to spite your face type of situation. We're like, look, these people are willing to work with you. This, this music will see the light of day. Yeah. Like, what do you ultimately want? And then ultimately, like we wanted to write a record. And so we told them, it's like, hey, we're not playing shows. We're not touring. We're yeah. not a band. We're a hobby rock group. <laughs> but that's great, though. I mean, that, what a, what a perfect you know way to do it. I mean, yeah, it's a and great record. They said, Fantastic record. Cool, dude. That's oh, awesome. thank you. Yeah. What's yeah, your favorite so, song on that one? 
Really faint object camera in the first one. Yeah, that's a great song. That's so great. I think that that's probably my favorite. That or the last two. Um, yeah. Indignation and then uh, To Bloom. Those, those two songs are awesome. Uh, but I just really feel like that was the record we were always trying to make. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I absolutely would agree with that. As a fan and hearing it, I definitely could see that. It's, you know, it's the progression of who you guys became. And obviously, and the influences come out so much. Not that they haven't in the past, but that one, you can just hear them. You know, it's, you know, it's the mature, it's the mature rock record, you know, the mature, you know, the, the grown ass adult record, you know. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> no, we're like, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I love, I love that record. I'm so happy that like we were still able to do that after that career. It really yeah. was like a gift, you know, totally. to be able to put that together again. Absolutely. So yeah. what's next? Is there new stuff? I know, I know you guys did a, what, a song or a year or two ago or maybe ish. Dude. So we recorded we recorded a bunch of songs in 2019 after arbiter that only one of them has ever seen the light of day so there is more music recorded and ryan played guitar on all of it yeah i thought he did yeah yeah i love that so it's just the band's back it has the band's back hasn't seen the light of day yet so will but, it um, see the light of day uh, yeah, I hope so. Like, it's just, you know, everybody's got jobs and it, sure. it's like, it's such a back burner project for the label. And yeah. it's like such a forgotten about thing. It just feels like I have no idea what the, I literally sitting here and telling you, I don't know what the plan is. The songs that are unreleased, they will eventually be released. I have no idea when that's going to happen. Yeah. Well, you so. got any shows coming up, or um, I mean, I know you I, didn't. You just play with Strife recently, or we did. We played three shows last year. We're about to go to Japan. What? We're going to Japan and playing five shows at the beginning of March. That is nuts. That's incredible. Good for you. Yeah, like, free trip. Can't can't believe that that's about to happen. That's incredible. What what kind of yeah. venue, what size venues are they? I, I don't even know. I think they're probably like 250, 300 if I had to guess, Dude, you know, be, but yeah. apparently there is a thriving hardcore scene in Japan and uh, like they just go to shows. That's amazing. like kids go to shows. That's so cool. That's yeah. incredible. Are you guys so, going with anyone else or are you just yourself? You headline we're going with a band called, I don't know if you remember them, Taken. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they're, they've been seven times to Japan. What? with this promoter. And the last time they were there, he was like, you guys should come back with hopes fall. And he's like, we know hopes fall. Like, Dude, that's amazing. so like they, we, we got in touch and, and he was like, do you guys want to go to Japan? We were like, fuck yeah, we want to go to Japan. And so <laughs> then we, we were almost about to go. We were supposed to go the week that COVID shut the world oh, down. Gosh. So it was March 17th of 2020 when all of the bars and restaurants in North Carolina had yeah. to shut and we were supposed to go to Japan like March 20th. Unbelievable. Yeah. So that fell apart, but it's happening. March thing. That's amazing. Coming, so yeah. 
Well, cool, man. I, I want I want this record to come see the light of day at some point. I think it'd be really cool. You know, I mean, even a, a further departure. You know, like in a, in a good way. You know, just uh, you know, you guys are grown ass men, and it's it's time to it's time to hear what you guys got to say. I really I'm really looking forward to. It. I, hope, I hope it comes out soon. So me, me too. Um, I, it's like I'm I'm hoping that it. I would love to if it came out this year. Like I, uh, I don't know if that's possible because it's yeah already. February and records labels have release schedules and funding and this and that and yeah. but I, I would love for that shit to see the light of day. Totally. Well, yeah, maybe it will. Who's to say? Maybe it will. <laughs> Josh, dude, I really, really appreciate you coming on and and I really this has been awesome. It's been I love you. You're awesome. You're incredible, and I, I really appreciate you coming on and spending time with me and just talking shop. I really, really appreciate it, dude. Jeremy, I'm happy to ha- happy to be on. Thank you for having me, dude. You're amazing. Well, hopefully, yeah. hopefully, we'll get to hang soon at some point, and you know, go from there. It's inevitable. Our paths will cross. <laughs> it will. All right, will. bro. It's good to talk to you. I'll, I'll t- tell the guys I said hey. By the way, I will. I will. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right, brother. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this latest episode with Josh Brigham from the band Hopes Fall. Uh, what an awesome conversation. I deeply apologize about all the blurbs. Um, there was moments where the internet crashed a little bit, so I deeply apologize for that. But I hope you enjoyed what you heard. It was a really cool conversation. Um, Josh and I have known each other for quite a while now, so it was really cool to turn into a fan for a few moments and let him know how I felt about the band. So that was a cool opportunity. Um, really, really have much respect for uh, the Hopes Fall guys over the years. And I really, really, I'm, I'm really, <laughs> I keep saying it, but I'm just really happy this happened. So thanks so much for tuning in. Looking forward to the upcoming guests. Got some really, really cool people lined up. And I uh, appreciate you guys' uh, support. So thanks, guys. See ya.